talk about Halloween anthology films and not talk about a film that's an anthology horror film that's called Tales of Halloween. Like, how am I not going to make this a film that not only do I watch every year on Halloween, but also a film more so leading towards the anthology stuff that I wanted to try to cover some more of before the month was over. And, you know, we just watched it again the other day for the first time in, you know, about a year, I would say. And, you know, we're going to do an entry. Again, it's a little more leaning towards the comedy stuff, but some of the stories are fun. It's definitely not to be taken as seriously as I would say, uh, like my last entry, Tales from the Dark Side. Maybe, even if that could be considered taking it seriously. Uh, but still a good film. Good enough to watch uh, every year, for me at least. I enjoy watching this every year. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, it starts off with a radio show host who's played by uh, Andrian uh, Barbu, who, for those who don't know, is from films like Grease, films like The First Swamp Thing. Uh, she also played a role in the Swamp Thing TV show that came out on as a DC original. And she plays the, the narrator between the different stories. Now, when she's going through the different stories, there isn't an underlining story. However, all these stories kind of connect to each other. So even though there's kind of little breaks where you hear her voice kind of tell you where things are going, she doesn't really play a role in any of the stories except for being the narrator moving from story to story. You do learn slowly as the film goes on that all of these stories also kind of coexist, though very minorly. You know, they're, they're not fully existing together, but, you know, they're trying to hint that they fully exist together, even though never really crossing paths 100% of the time. So the first uh, story that the film starts off with is called Sweet Tooth. And what Sweet Tooth is, is a play on an urban legend, or the idea of an urban legend, where there was this kid who was lied to by his uh, family that uh, he couldn't have his candy. And the family eats all the candy, and so the kid goes nuts and murders the family, and cuts open their bellies and eats the candy out of their bellies. And the only way that you don't get um, Sweet Tooth to come after you is if you give him your candy willingly. So what happens is this little this story is being told to this little kid while he's being babysat. And he goes upstairs and he's scared. And of course, what happens, the babysitter and the boyfriend wind up eating his trick-or-treat candy. In pop Sweet Tooth, murders the two of them. The kid leaves a candy bar by the door, and the only thing he sees of Sweet Tooth is the hand that grabs the candy bar. Then the parents come home, find the two dead bodies, and the kid standing in front of him, and all he says is, they ate my candy. So, the first one is kind of to the point, not the best one of the bunch, but a decent one to kind of kick off the entire kind of film and show you what you're kind of going to be getting into. Now, the second story is a little bit of fun. Hit or miss with some people. I know sometimes I'll watch it and I'll be into it and sometimes I will and I'll kind of not be all there for it. It's called The Night Billy Raised Hell and it's based on this little kid who's coaxed into running a prank on the house of a person who's not meant to be a, uh, a real Halloween guy. He doesn't give out candy, he doesn't decorate, so they say every year they egg his house. So they're convincing this you know, 12-year-old to egg the dude's house. The dude comes out and sort of kidnaps the kid. And 
he's just trying to be like, it's just a prank. And the guy's like, I'm going to show you what a real prank is. And so the older guy and the kid go out and they start doing quote unquote pranks. And what the pranks are is he's doing graffiti on people's like driveway doors. He's stabbing people that give out bad candy. He's lighting ornaments on fire. He's hitting people with bats. He's robbing cars. He's robbing kids. He's shooting people with a gun. It's, it can get a little ridiculous, but what the twist is, is when they get back to the house, you discover that this neighbor is actually like, like a, like a devil. And then the kid was strapped into a chair the entire time and who was out like wrecking havoc was this other little demon that the devil was like making do all these things in the costume that the kid was wearing so people think it's the kid and then the kid goes back out into the world and then the cops show up and they wind up shooting the kid thinking it's this little it's the same kid in the devil costume who was wreaking havoc on town just now you know running over people with cars shooting people robbing people they think he's a menace so they shoot him and (laughs) they shoot him dead it's a hit or miss with some people i know that sometimes i'll be sitting through it and i'm okay with it but sometimes i won't be okay with it it's it's not all the way the best of the bunch but again we press on to the next story which is just called trick trick is by far to me the best one of all of them trick is the best out of all these stories it starts off with these two couples they're sitting in a house they're fully decorated they're drinking they're watching i think it's like um night of the living dead or something and they get trick-or-treaters they're making jokes things seem to be going pretty normal then they get a trick-or-treater who's just this little girl just as a witch and he's like trick-or-treat and she's like trick and then she starts stabbing him in the gut and the guy's like shocked like what is happening so he falls down the little girl runs away they're like we have to get out of here one of them runs to get a car She's fumbling with the keys, of course, and then she gets ambushed by a whole bunch of kids in Halloween costume. They stab her, they hit her with hammers, they hit her with an axe, like they brutalize this woman, and she tries to escape, but she can't because she's bleeding to death and she falls into the pool. They see this and they're like, we gotta get out of here, and another guy, he turns around to a kid who's in the kitchen who sprays him with its... Like that scene where you take like the bug spray and you light a match in front of it and it becomes like a flamethrower. So she lights this dude on fire. He falls to the ground and then she pours like rat poison in his mouth and tapes it shut. So all off the bat within like less than less than 90 seconds, three of these four people are dead. The only one who's alive runs to this outhouse they have. And she goes to call 911. However, before she actually dials 911, she stops herself. And then you see this scene where the kids are like, like, they're walking around the house. They're washing their hands. They're seeing what they've done. And they're like, you know, scavenging the area. And then you go back. It cuts back to the woman who's hiding in this outhouse. And then before she hits 911, she goes to her pictures. And she starts trying to delete these pictures that are a form of evidence. Now, this evidence shows that these people are actually really sick people who are kidnapping kids in the area and like cutting them up and gutting them and ripping their eyes out and like covering themselves with blood like they're they're real psychopaths so these kids are kind of like this vigilante group 
who learns that this is the group that's kidnapping all the kids. And when they discover the woman in this outhouse, they turn on the lights and the, and the room, this outhouse is actually the lab where they're cutting kids up. And there's actually a little girl on a table strapped down with her eye missing. And it ends with them releasing the girl, this lady being cowered in the corner because all three of her other psycho friends are dead. And she's begging for mercy, but they're like, are you fucking kidding? We're not giving you mercy. And they hit her in the head with an axe, and that's the end of the scene. Literally the best story of all of the other stories thus far, once you get up to this point. To me, at least, probably the most entertaining as well, because it literally just kind of starts slow, but then picks up, but then doesn't stop, and it just goes and goes and goes. Really, really good, really, really good story, really good scene. And then it goes into another one uh, called um, The Weak and the Wicked. And The Weak and the Wicked, that is also... To me, something that if they ever did a spinoff, I'd be okay with it. It's these, like, three street punks who wind up being, like, the, um... They're really bad kids. They're, like, bullies, but they're also, like, they live on the streets and they kind of abuse people and do whatever the hell they want. And they're kind of known as, like, the Hellraisers around town. And then there's this kid who, like, kind of coaxes them into chasing him. And they chase him around. He's on foot. They're on bikes. They're running around town, running around town, running through parks. It's this full-on chase scene. And they get to this burned-up trailer. And what you learn when they go through a little bit of backstory is this 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 flashback scene scene shows of that kid who's gotten who's has them chasing them, and these other three kids who is the younger version of them in front of this trailer. And the trailer is getting burned down to the ground. And this kid is standing in front of it like asking for his parents and you learn that these kids murdered his parents and he's back for revenge and how he gets revenge is he summons the demon of all hollows eve and he keeps repeating what the the thing is to get the demon to show up and he must carve the demon's name in his flesh he must bring those who have wronged him to the site of the wrongdoing and he must say his name. And the demon shows up as this kid's about to get murdered by this group of, like, goons. And he winds up totally tearing the, the goons apart. Now, it's it's really quick. It's more of a chase sequence than anything else. But I think out of all of the stories here, this is probably the one that might be the best if they ever wanted to do a spinoff and make it just a story, make just a movie about this idea. I think this was really well executed i think it sets a good pace it has a good level of tension and it's probably the most serious out of any of the other ones you know especially when you come from something like trick that is really more of a twist kind of tale than this one is this is a revenge tale so you have um sweet tooth which is an urban legend tale then you have uh the night billy raised hell which is the more comedy with a twist as well then you have trick which is the real twist story then you have uh, The Weak and the Wicked, which is a revenge story. So, leading all of that, it goes into Grim Grinning Ghost. Not 100% the best one, but it stars um, Alex Esso, who I appreciate as an actress from films like Starry Eyes and Doctor Sleep. And I think she also uh, played a role in The Haunting of Bly Manor. And then it's got Lynn Shay, who a lot of us probably know from the Insidious film series. So it, it's probably the biggest as far as having heavy hitters in it for the film. And it's a very basic story. Mother tells a creepy ghost story, creeps out the daughter when the daughter's going home at night. And then the daughter is like trying to like have a good night. 
but then winds up that the ghost is in the house and winds up, you know, killing her. It's a very basic story. Not the best of all the stories, but has the most heavy hitters of the rest of the film. Then you move on to a film called Ding Dong, which probably is the most bizarre of all the films. This is probably the one that is hands down the bizarre one of the tale if like grim grinning ghost is meant to be the ghost tale this is the bizarre one even though it's also quote unquote the the witch story of the series of um shorts in this film and ding dong is about this uh couple who can't have um kids and they're watching trick-or-treaters and the wife is very distraught and she's like why can't i have kids why can't i have kids why have i been forsaken you know that kind of thing but it turns out that she's actually also this like demon witch who doesn't like like that she can't have kids and the husband is kind of like a prisoner and then it's time jumps to the next halloween where she's like happier and she wants to like take up the mantle of being a happy person for halloween but still you can see that the husband is like this trapped soul because she's also a demon witch who's like controlling him and if she doesn't get what she wants you know she'll wreak havoc in a way and it goes through the sequence of like the kids and the trick-or-treating and her like telling this funny story that's getting kids to be excited and giving out candy and the husband's going along with it and then there's this short scene where there's this little boy who's like lost and it looks like the wife is going to try to kidnap him so she could eat him, I guess. And the husband's like, no, nah, that's not going to happen. And he starts shouting for the mother. And the wife gives him like this look like, why would you do that? And so they get the kid away and they go back into the house. And he tells her for the first time that like, listen, I knew the creature you were. So I saw a specialist who didn't allow me to have kids anymore. I knew you could never take care of a kid because your anger turns you into this creature that... I didn't I would never want to put a kid through that. And out of a rage, she winds up throwing him into an oven and just full on becoming this demonic witch. The scene kind of ends with that, so there's really no full closure, which isn't necessarily the best, which again, I'm not saying all the stories in this film are the best. This is definitely not one of them, but the the visual effects for this story are pretty entertaining. So the next story is probably uh, a tale of like don't cover thy neighbor's goods you know so it's called this means war which i guess could be self-explanatory you have an old school horror decorator who's very enthusiastic about setting up his house with his animatronics and the way he wants and how he feels halloween should be portrayed he gets a new neighbor who's this this metal head dude who wants it to be more gory and more about body parts and heavy metal. They get into a fight on Halloween night and they start wrecking each other's sets. And then of course that sets that, that, that fight like moves into an actual fist fight and they wind up both getting plungered by this big piece of wood that's sticking out from one of the sets they destroyed. So it's that whole idea of like, you know, you sin and then you both wind up actually being the one who loses in the end. So that's a quick one. It's not as entertaining, but it's fun fun to watch. Watch them go through the process of them showing off that typical story of neighbors trying to fight each other over who has the better this and who has the better that. The next story is probably meant to be the funniest of all, though it's kind of a mixture of 
them making fun of slashers and aliens at the same time. It's called Friday the 31st, and it starts off typical. You got a woman in a costume, slutty costume, running through the woods, being chased by a slasher killer. The slasher killer very much resembles your typical slasher. It looks like Jason, looks like, you know, Victor Crowley, looks like a slasher. He catches up and kills her. As he kills her, there's a UFO that appears. And you would think that, oh, they're going to do of like a, what if the UFO, you know, abducts this Jason-like character. But no, instead what happens is they drop off an alien. The alien, in a really cute voice, is like trick-or-treat. And this dumb-looking Jason Voorhees wannabe is like, I don't have anything. That's what he says. He's like, and then he steps on the alien, and then the essence of the alien goes into the dead body of the of the slutty um, character that he chased down and murdered. And it possesses it to turn into this creature that the actual slasher character is afraid of. And then they go into this battle where they start chopping people's arms off, and they start attacking each other with machetes and ripping body parts off, until they full-on have this, like, dual decapitation and the spirit of the alien pops out again and is just like trick or treat <laughs> that's it it's just it's a silly scene that i guess is making fun of aliens and slashers at the same time so that's more fun than it is scary of anything the next one is actually an interesting story though probably meant to be funny it's called the ransom of rusty rex these two bank robbers decide that what they're going to do now is they're going to kidnap the child of this millionaire. And they kidnap him on Halloween, and they go to, like, like ask for the ransom money. And the father's like, ha, huh, sucks to be you. That's actually not my kid. That's a demon that showed up on my doorstep and hasn't left, so now he's your problem. Be ready, because it gets hungry. And then they take off the mask of the kid, and it's not a kid. It's actually this imp-like troll demon creature that winds up, like, they, they try to get rid of, but he keeps coming back to them. And, like, it's this whole sort of cat and mouse thing where eventually they wind up calling the father, and they're like, please take him back. And he's like, don't call me again. So this, th this funny take on bank robbers getting sort of, not outwitted, but robbing the wrong person. I, I just, I love that part of it. And then, of course, they think they've gotten rid of it. They think they're, they're, they're home free. They leave town. The guy goes into a store and gets some food, comes back out, realizes the kid's in the car <laughs> eating the partner. And he's like, okay, I guess I am stuck with it. And he just drives off with the creature in the backseat. So it's it's a fun concept. Maybe not portrayed all that well, but still fun. The very last story is called Bad Seed. Bad Seed is, it starts off with this guy who carves this giant pumpkin. The pumpkin comes to life and eats the guy. That's not really the focus of the story. The focus of the story is on the detective who gets given this really bad case of finding the killer pumpkin. And it's like, how do you find a killer pumpkin? And of course, through events, it finds the killer pumpkin. And it winds up killing it. And then it sees where the pumpkin comes from. And the pumpkin comes from this, this company called Clover Corporation. So, so the detective goes there and is like, 
we need to see the premises these super pumpkins these genetic pumpkins you're creating are like we need to know where they're coming from and the scientist is like well they're just pumpkins and then it ends on this scene where they walk into this warehouse and it's just thousands upon thousands of these super pumpkins that could easily become this army of man-eating pumpkins almost like a attack of the killer tomatoes is probably what it's trying to make fun of but i also think it's more so making fun of like maybe just halloween in general you know clover corp for some reason to me screams like halloween 3 season of the witch i don't know why that's the feeling i got but again i think it's just a play on just this this idea of over overly doing halloween but that's the last story it it ends off and wraps up the entire um the entire film and again not all of these are hits but it is fun to watch it is fun to go through see these unique stories see these cool little ideas that don't fully w would become full films however i do think stories like trick stories like the week in the wicked even stories like um uh um the ransom of rusty rex could probably be standalone films in and of themselves if they were ever given the time of day the other thing i want to mention is sweet tooth this is just one depiction of what i believe that story of sweet tooth sweet tooth to be what i also love is just short horror films and that's what this is this is just like this collection of short horror films and short horror film concepts and i always say that i feel like they could be done into real full-length films because a lot of the times they start off that way even if they're more comedy or more fun or the story isn't there to begin with they do get there like there's a film called mama which came out hold on let me look this up really quick mama is a horror film that came out in 2013 it's based on a short film that came out five years prior to that which was just a short film and the short film was very quick very much nothing like what we got in the film in and of itself but in 2007 or 2008 this short film had came out from argentina titled mama that is sort of like a very quick like five minute scene that is what they decided was enough to make a film that guillermo del toro did I, I i totally butchered that last name guillermo del toro did to create what mama became in 2013 that's not the only one there was a film that came out a, a little bit more recently called lights out came out in 2016 that's also based on a short film which um i think is actually even more recent and even a better depiction for that concept for this film that they did and again starts off with a short film a short five minute film that's just about turning the lights on and off like the film the short film has no dialogue and they turned it into this 90 minute film that perfectly makes sense it was well translated and produced by james wan you know it was directed um by um david sandberg who did one of the annabelle films he uh, is the same guy who did the shazam film like people have picked up short films and created long-standing films out of them you then get films like siren which i did uh, an entry for this year um that aren't as good but you can still give them a chance they still have enough there where you can create something out of nothing to hopefully give 
a better, more substantial story to what is there. And to me, out of the Tales of Halloween film, there's at least a couple of these stories that have enough of a substantial foundation to build off of, to create more long-standing films, to me at least. But for what this film is as a whole, it's, it's fun for Halloween.